Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me again tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we were looking at briefly this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, praise God. In chapter 2, verse 1, Paul was writing, of course, to the church there in Corinth. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Now, when he said he was with them in fear and weakness and fear and trembling. He was talking about in the presence of God. Amen. Not in his own strength. He came in the strength of the Lord. Amen. But in fear of God. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human reasoning. But my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God wants our faith to be in him, obviously. Obviously, we're to have faith in him, in the word, but also faith in the power of God. It talks about demonstrations of the spirit and demonstrations of power. Over in the 12th chapter of this epistle, he talks about manifestations of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, ministries of the Spirit, operations of the Spirit, or workings of the Spirit. And he said that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The power of God profits everybody. A lot of people cut themselves off from the power of God by dismissing it or like Paul wrote to, to Timothy there in, in uh, whether first or second Timothy in chapter three, he said, some have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. What did he say to do with those people? Hang out with them? Make them your best buds? No, he said, have nothing to do with them. From such, turn away. Amen. Glory to God. Who you hang out with will affect your life and your destiny. The voices you allow in your life will define how far you go in God. Amen. Because every, every voice is carrying a message. Every voice is either drawing you nearer to God or further from him. And closer to his plan for you or further away from his plan for you. Amen. So those who have a form of godliness, 
but deny the power. He said, turn away from them. Well, what does it mean to deny the power? Give no place to the power. Don't believe in the power. Minimize the power. Dismiss the power. Don't have any, uh, any room in your life for the power of God. Everything's passed away. Everything's for a former time or else it's for the time ahead, but it's not for now. He said, turn away from those people. Amen. Don't let them have influence in your life. Yes, we are to befriend people for the gospel's sake. Amen. But not for companion's sake. For the gospel's sake, not, not for companions, companionship's sake. Amen. Seek those of like faith, like precious faith. Amen. Faith is precious. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Faith in the power of God. God God wants his people to have faith in his power. God wants to demonstrate his power. He does to the extent he can. Why does he do this? Not because he's an egotist or a show-off, but in order to get people's attention and to bless humanity. That's why he demonstrates his power. Now, some some, uh, aspects of the power of God have to be sought for. You have to give yourself to it. But the people who, but there are people who don't know how to give themselves to it. There are people who are raised to dismiss the power. They've been taught that anything of power is scary. Like I said this morning, uh, most Christians are perfectly happy with the power of God in the Bible. You can go to Bible bookstores and you can buy children's books and they're just full of all of the stories of all of the miracles that God did, all the wonderful things. All we like to hear about Samson. One last time, the anointing of God, the power of God came on him and he pulled the temple down. We like all of those stories. And, we, and, 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 and all Christians like tell their children those stories, all the churches, all the denominations, everywhere. And they like to read about the Jesus who walked on the water, turned water to wine, healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils. We don't usually talk about that, but all the rest of them. That's even, that's even too scary if, coming from Jesus. <laughs> But they don't want a living miracle Jesus today. They love what Jesus did in the synagogue back then, but they don't want him doing that in the church today. Not in our nice church. We have everything the way we like it. We have all this order and everything's nice and we're comfortable and and respectable and, and we don't want anything messing up what we have going. Amen. And they're happy with Paul's miracles, Peter's miracles. They're happy with the Philip being translated. Woo! Nice story. 
you start talking about somebody being translated around here. In this time, in this age, you'll find out right away what people believe about the power of God. It has passed in their thinking. It's over. It's done with. Well, how can you have faith in the power of God when you dismiss the power of God? Well, in order to help those people, God will demonstrate some things to them. But it takes people who believe in the power to get the demonstrations to work. The people who don't believe in the power are never going to believe for it. It takes people who know about the power and believe in the power to take a step further and believe and act on the power. Amen. God doesn't demonstrate his power out just in in the middle of nowhere. Aren't any miracles happening out in the forest? God demonstrates himself and his power among his people so that we can give testimony to his goodness and greatness. Like I said this morning, all of the gifts of the Spirit, all these miracles, they're all for blessing people. They're all for blessing humanity. Amen. See, without faith in his power, he can't demonstrate his goodness. So God's power can only be demonstrated when somebody has faith for it. Somebody is going to have faith. Somebody's going to, what I started to say, somebody's going to have to have faith for the power of God. Amen. Well, who's that going to be? Easy question. Who's that going to be? It's going to be us. It's going to be people like us. People who believe in the power of God. But faith is released by action. Remember over there in Romans chapter 4, it says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. I've always liked Barclay's rendering of that verse. He said, Abraham, I don't remember what the first part of the Abraham believed God, but the second part, Barclay said, and this act of faith was accounted unto him for righteousness. You see, Abraham didn't just believe, he acted. Faith without action is dead. It's it's lifeless. You can believe something in your heart and, and, and the potential is there for a miracle. But it won't happen until you act on what you believe. And really, do you really believe if you're not willing to act? You've come close to faith, but if you're, if you're afraid to actually act on what you believe, how much do you really believe it? Amen. Glory to God. Now, Go over with me to Matthew's gospel and let's look at chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now the subject is faith in the power of God and acting on our faith. 
Matthew chapter 7. Now, as you're going there, we're all familiar. Hold your place in Matthew 7. We're going to come right back. But go over with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Has anybody ever read Mark chapter 11? Verse number 24. We're all familiar with this. Notice in verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. And therefore, in verse 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is the, a, a, one of the uh, fundamental classic scriptures on the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith is a prayer for something that belongs to you that has already been provided to you for, from God. You know it's yours. It's a covenant right. If, if, if it's not in our covenant, if it's not a covenant right, then it's not the prayer of faith. You can pray about some things that maybe aren't in our covenant. For instance, you don't have a covenant right for your friend down the street to be blessed. That's not part of your covenant. Your covenant's for you to be blessed. Okay, you can pray for your friend down the street and you can get God to work, but that's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is for, covers things that belongs to, that belong to you and you're doing the asking and you're doing the receiving and it's not dependent upon anybody else. People, I used to hear people talking about you know, hospitals, oh, I don't, I don't like to, you know, go to try to, I've heard preachers say this. I don't like to go to the hospital to pray for It's just so much unbelief in a hospital. There's just so much darkness and sickness and devils. And it's just, I just don't like to, to go there. You know, it's just, it's a hard place to pray. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now, is there unbelief in hospitals? Yes. There are people there in dire situations and they're, they're not in faith. They're in fear. And, and, and yes, you can sense that. But what in the world has that got to do with you? I'm talking about you as a believer, as a knowledgeable Christian. If it's something that belongs to you or if you're praying the prayer of agreement and there's another believer there, you, you, you two are a world unto yourselves. I mean, it doesn't you could have... You could have stark, raving, mad demons running up and down the aisle, in and out, darting in and out of your room, circling the bed. But if you know what belongs to you and the person in the bed knows what belongs to them, who cares what's going on all around? That you can pray faith because you know what's yours. Amen. So Jesus talked about the prayer of faith. But that's not the only kind of praying he talked about. There are other types of praying that are required when, when things are not just between you and God. It's a provision from God that belongs to you, but other people have an effect. Because it's not just, when it comes to, to faith in the power of God, yeah, I have faith in the power of God, but... Uh, if, if it's in a corporate setting, everybody's, everybody brings something to the table. And it's not always faith. <laughs> Hello? In Matthew chapter 7, he talks about some other type of praying. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. How many, who all knows how long I've been up here? Have I been up here three or four minutes or 10 minutes? Do you know, Angela? Anybody know? I'm just trying to get an idea so I don't go too late. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. You know why Jesus said when you ask, believe that you receive? You know why he said that? Because you did. Everyone, that is if you ask in faith. Now, James clued us into another side of that. If, you, if you're in doubt, you didn't receive. But if you ask in faith, everyone who asks in faith, boom, you received. That's why you are simply to believe that you received. Jesus didn't tell you to believe something wasn't so. The reason you can believe you receive is because you did. You did. As soon as you ask in faith, it's granted. God, when you, when you ask in faith, God doesn't twiddle his thumbs and just lean back in his recliner and say, well, let's just see how long he'll stay in faith. Let's see how much stick to itness that Stephen talked about. Let's just see. Uh, he's been here before. That's, God doesn't do that. When you're in faith and you ask, you receive. So believe you receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, asking is an important thing. You know, James said, you do not have because you do not ask. In Philippians chapter 4, the Bible says, let your request be made known to God. Let your request, now think about this, let your request be made known to God. Now, there is a, there is a walk of faith and, and, a, and an operation of faith where if you know something is yours from the sense that it's already been given, you don't even have to ask. By his stripes, you were healed. Well, it, you can just believe that and thank God for it. You don't even have to ask. But when it comes to things that you need, remember in, in the, back in the previous chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus was talking about prayer, you know, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, he said, for the Lord knows the things you have need of before you ask him. But you're still supposed to ask him. Why is that? Why, why do we need to ask him if he already knows? Is he putting us through the ringer? Has he got us on a little spiritual treadmill? No. Philippians 4, go over there. Hold your place in Matthew. We're going to come back. Philippians 4. <laughs> Philippians 4. 
Be anxious for nothing, verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It doesn't say let your needs be known to God. Because Jesus has already said the Father knows the things you need. You don't need to tell God what your need is. He already knows what your need is. But you are to let your requests be made known unto God. As you know, John Wesley famously said, God can do nothing, or he said, it seems God can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him. Well, you know, that, that's, that's a very true statement. I mean, in Word of Faith circles, that's almost Scripture. <laughs> I mean, it's almost canonized. But it's not in the Bible. But it is true. God, if, because if not, everything's a mystery. If God already knows what we need... He knows what everybody needs. If God could do anything for anybody based on their needs, you know, we're talking about the God who, with a word, just a word, spoke the universe into existence. Every every time somebody gets sick right here, Ethiopia, you know, Berlin, wherever, Somebody gets sick, God knows it. They'd just be healed, just like that. Sick, healed, sick, healed, sick, healed. Every sickness in the whole world instantly be healed because God knows. We know he wants to heal. Why doesn't he? He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him because he has... He has delegated authority in our life to us. To you for your life, me for my life. Guy living in Berlin, he's delegated authority for that person's life to him. It's made him a free moral agent. And he can can either have what belongs to him or not. Paul said, let your requests be made known to God. Your request isn't what informs God of your need. He knows your need. He wants to know what you want. Do you know a lot of people who are sick don't really want to be healed? They say they do, but they don't. A lot of people like the attention that comes with sickness. They'll turn in a lot of prayer requests, but they are more interested in everybody thinking about them (laughs) than they are walking free. Praise, I'm going to meddling now. Might do some more. Our request is what authorizes God to meet the need he already knows about. Let your request be made known. Don't don't, Don't tell him about your need. He already knows your need. 
Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them. He don't want your burdens. Tell it all to Jesus. You don't have to tell it all to Jesus. Tell him what you want. Let your requests be made known to God. Amen. Now, what, what about those times when you, you've made your request, made known to God, you've asked in faith, and you know in your heart you have it, and nothing happens in a reasonable period of time. Now, maybe, you know, you're not maybe expecting it instantly, but, you're, you know, you are, but you're not dismayed if it doesn't just happen, you know, before you get back to your seat. But there's a reasonable period of time where you've asked, you're standing in faith, you're, you're saying the right things, you know you believe. Anybody ever been there? You know you believe and it's just not happening. Sometimes there are things we don't know have to be dealt with. This verse instructs us here. He said, ask and you shall receive. For everyone who asks receives. Seek and you shall find. Now, the word find, if you look it up in the dictionary, according to Webster, it's, now listen to this carefully. To find means to come upon by searching or effort to come upon. If I, if I laid my Bible down here on the, on the platform and uh, I said to, to Pastor Doug down here, I said, I want you to search for my Bible. Well, he don't have to search for it. He can see it. Why, why would he want to search? Why would he get up and just start searching all around? It's right there in plain sight. He knows where it is. There's nothing to search. But there are a lot of things in life that aren't apparent. The answer isn't apparent. It's not just out in the open. Why the manifestation hasn't come is not always just out in the open. Now, there are a lot of people that like to tell you what's wrong with you and what you're doing wrong. But they, how many of you have found out that not, a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about? They're just spouting off, giving senseless opinions, empty words, haughty words. It doesn't help you. <laughs> have you ever found that out? A lot of help people try to give you in a time of need really isn't helpful at all. It's more of a discouragement than ever. So to find something suggests that the thing is not apparent or in clear view or you wouldn't have to find it. Now the word seek in the Greek, now I was talking about the English word find. In the Greek, the word that's used for seek was used to depict, now when I say it was used, not necessarily in the Bible, but when I say that it was used in, in the broader Greek uh, writings of the day and, and, and of that period of history. It was used in secular writings, you can say. This word that's translated seek was used to depict a person who is so upset about not getting what he wanted that he turns to the court system to sue or to demand what he is striving to obtain. 
Instead of taking no for an answer, this person is so, on, so intent on getting what he wants that he will search, seek, investigate, never giving up in his pursuit to get what he wants. He just is absolutely determined to lay hold of something. That's what the word seek in the Greek, that's how the word was used. In other words, it was used in scenarios like that to describe that kind of person. Seeking implies searching. Again, you don't, you don't have to seek for that. You know right where it is. If you want it, you just go get it. There's no seeking. There's no searching. There's no searching. I want everybody to search for my black Bible. Well, pastor, it's right there at your foot. Are you getting my point? There are some things, though, that are not like that. And when it comes to laying hold of what you know is yours, when it, when it looks like something is, is not working, now I believe in taking your stand. And you do have to take your stand. But years and years and years and years and years of standing, you need to get involved in the searching in the seeking because there's something that you haven't seen, something that you haven't found. I'm relating that to, to everyday needs, but it's so true not only in your life, but in things that aren't part of your covenant rights. When, when we're talking about faith in the power of God, so often we don't see demonstrations of the power like we'd like to. Is anybody in here satisfied with the demonstrations of the spirit and of the power? Is there anybody here that believes there's more? Far more. Not only Bible examples, but examples from history, examples from, for, from our own times. There is so much more in the power of God than we've ever experienced. And sometimes asking is not enough. Because it's not a matter of just you between you and God. You, you don't just get up on Sunday morning and say, Father, I just, I'm going to claim that there's going to be a major miracle this morning in church. I mean, a, ma a notable miracle like in the book of Acts. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables in the house that morning. And it's good to, to believe in the power, have faith in the power, believe in it, but you have to act. And action sometimes requires uh, searching in the spirit, seeking God. That's why he said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you shall find. If you don't seek when you have to seek, you won't find. The reason we haven't found some things is because we haven't sought for them. It's the truth. Amen. Now, if I announce an open house event at my home, when we first moved into our home, we had an open house. We had a Saturday, I think, and we said, you know, between these two hours, everybody in the church is welcome. 
Well, access to my house had been granted. You didn't really need to ask because I granted it. It belonged to you. Last, what was it, two weeks ago, we had uh, some, from, some uh, open house uh, graduation at the uh, uh, Hoskins house. So the Earl's, the Earl's house. Well, there are multiple Earl's. The Hoskins house, the Green's house, and the Anderson's house. Those were open house events. The church was told, you are invited. Well, you, you don't need to ask. But now if somebody, let's say somebody that used to go to church here, knows the Hoskins or knows the Greens or knows the Anderson, they found out about it. They're not really sure if they're invited. They might call one of those families and say, hey, can we come? They'd be asking. But it, whether ask or, or not required to ask, and, and you say, oh, yeah, sure you can come. Sure, come on. Access to the house has been granted. But what if you've never been to the Hoskins house or to the Anderson's house or the Green's house? What if you've never been there? You don't even know where it is. It's going to require some action. It's going to require some action beyond just accepting the invitation, beyond just accepting that the house is open. You have to do something. You're going to have to seek some directions or else you're just going to drive up and down rows of houses and when you get to a house that's got a bunch of cars, see if you can identify those people from our, nope, they don't, they don't look like our church cars. Oh yeah, this is, this is the house right here. I see their car and I see their car. And they, yeah, that'd be foolish. You're going to have to seek something to get there if you don't know the way. Now, I already knew the way to the Hoskins house. I already knew the way to the Green's house and I already knew the way to the Anderson's house. So there was no seeking. I had been granted access. So I just got in the car and went. You might, you might know where it is but not have transportation. And you're too far to walk. What are you going to do? You're going to seek transportation to get there. So sometimes it's not just asking or being granted access, sometimes you have to then do something to seek what you need to get there. Now, you shouldn't need to knock. I noticed, because access had been granted, I noticed that most everybody that came up to those houses just walked right in. Just came up, parked their car, just walked right. Why? why? Access had already been granted to the home. You have the invite. That authorizes you to walk between, not six hours later, but (laughs) during those hours, you have authorization to just walk right in the door because it's an open house. But let's say there's somebody in there who really doesn't like you. One of the guests, not the homeowner or the party throwing the shindig, but let's just say there's some mischievous person in the house and they're standing in the, in the dining room looking out and they see you drive up and they go, I don't want them here. 
They could go over and see you when, just when you're walking up the sidewalk, just lock the door. He said, ask and it shall be given to everyone who asks, they receive. Seek. If, if, if sometimes you have, and if, and even if you've asked and received, sometimes if you don't seek, you'll still do without. If you don't seek something, if you don't, not seeking the thing you've asked for, but seeking what is hidden. Seeking and finding, like I said, denotes something is not apparent. It's not out in clear view. That's why you have to search and you find. What did it say find meant? To come upon. Well, let's say you've done that and you get to the house and it's locked. The word open, he said, knock and it shall be opened unto you. The word open means to move something from a closed position. Could be a door. Could be a stone on a grave. To open is to move something from a closed position. It means to make available for entry or passage. Now get this. This is what the dictionary says. To make available for entry or passage by removing a barrier or obstruction. That's the dictionary's definition of open. To make available for entry or passage by removing a barrier or obstruction. In other words, something is blocking the entry. Sometimes there are things blocking the entry. You've asked, but, and you know in your heart you've received, but you haven't entered into it. There's something blocking. Well, you have to find out what that is. The devil will see you coming to your answer, and he can lock some doors. He can lock some things up. He can, he can do some things in the, in the physical realm that keep you locked out. We don't like to admit it, but sometimes we do some things that can lock ourselves out. Seeking can uncover what is not found. It can also uncover what's locked. Now, to knock, this is a good dictionary lesson tonight. To knock simply means, this is Webster's Dictionary, says to strike something with a sharp blow. Now, if you, if you go up to somebody's house where you've been invited and you have an open invitation and you get there and you go to open the door and it's locked, wouldn't that be weird? You can hear people, you can hear all your friends in there. You see their cars and just locked. What do you do? You start knocking. Because it's not supposed to be locked. You have the right to go in. You were invited. You have a personal invitation. And the door's locked. And, you, and, and the good times are inside. The cupcakes are inside. 
<laughs> I have a neighbor. I don't think they'll be listening to this. When they first, uh, after we moved in, the people who were next door to us moved out, sold the house. Another family bought the house, and it was several months. Uh, the daughter and her boyfriend moved in first in the garage apartment. And then several months later, the owners moved in. Well, as soon as they showed up, it was during COVID, it was last year. As soon as they showed up, you know, I would see them in the yard, kind of wave, you know. But I wanted to go over and welcome them, right? So I'd go over to their house. I did this not once, twice, three times. I did this several, more than three or four times. I went over there and knocked on the door, no answer. They have one of these frosted glass doors. Can see them inside. I'm not talking about 75 feet away. I'm talking about in the room right there. So I knocked a little louder. They don't come to the door. I mean, I knocked until my knuckles hurt. It's a wooden door. I'm, you know, I wanted to grab the handle, you know, and see if it was open. But I thought, well, if it is, do I can't go in. They didn't invite me in. But now in our illustration, this is a house that you've been invited into. But the door's locked. I mean, my neighbors, I did, I finally, I just went home. I told my wife, I said, I don't know what's going on. I knocked on the rock. I know they're there. Other times I could hear the TV playing. Knock, 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 knock. Just don't come to the door. It's frustrating. But I don't have, I don't have access. I don't really have a right to go there. They don't really have to open the door to me. They didn't invite me onto their property, let alone into their house. Now, I eventually did get them to come to the door. And the wife never did come to the door. I haven't met her yet. How long have they lived there? Almost a year. And I haven't spoken to her yet. And I've been over there several times. I've talked to Juan several times. It's a Vietnamese man. And, uh, you know, he finally came to the door. And I, well, he was real skittish, you know. And I, you know, I knew it was COVID times. So I had my mask on. And I stepped, I knocked on the door. And then I stepped way off the porch so they could clearly see that I'm not... I don't have a gun, you know. I'm not fixing to barge in. And uh, finally opened the door. He came out real cautiously, you know. And, and so I just let him know that, you know, I'm your neighbor. And, you know, my name's Edwin Anderson, my wife and I. And we're glad to have you in the neighborhood. Just, you know, welcome. And if you need anything, I think we took him. I took him, I took him some cinnamon rolls. Thank you. Wife didn't come out. Hasn't come out and talked to me yet. Whatever, you know. I don't really have any right to anything. But going back to the place where I've been invited and that door's locked. Now, if something of mine is in that house and it's valuable to me and it belongs to me, it's mine and there's some knucklehead Got that door locked? I'm going to strike that door, that door with a sharp blow. <laughs> I might reach into my miracle tool belt and pull out a big old hammer. I can get into that house. I have a right to be there. And some knucklehead is keeping me out. I might have to use some force. I might have to, I can, I can break the glass. 
I can knock the whole handle, you know, the whole doorknob off. Now, Paul talked about to the church at at, uh, Thessalonica, he said, pray for me that a door will be opened unto me to speak the word. Sometimes it's proper to pray that God will open a door, but not all the time. Sometimes you don't need God to pray to open the door because he didn't close the door. He didn't even put the door there. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to be willing to knock with force. Sometimes you have to be willing to kick the door down. There's a whole theology built around open doors and closed doors. You've heard me talk about it over and over and over again. Oh, you know, we were going to do such and such, but, but God closed the door. Really? Says who? Well, I didn't know what to do, but this door over here opened, so that must be the will of God. The same knucklehead that locked this door can open the other one. Amen. I'm not interested in going in the shed. I'm going to go into the party. Amen. Well, the shed door was open. I guess that's where they wanted me to go. No, I have an invite to the house, not to the shed. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. This indicates persistence against resistance. Sometimes you have to strike with a sharp blow. You have to be forceful. Praise the Lord. Well, sometimes we, we're not hungry enough for the power of God. We're not hungry enough. Because there's some obstacles maybe and, and we just ask and believe we receive and just sit around and wait out on the curb. Well, we've asked God to move and we're believing in the power and nothing's going on, but, you know, we've done our part. Well, Jesus talked about asking, but he also talked about seeking and knocking. He's talked about searching and, and, and being aggressive When it comes to the power of God, church, faith in the power of God involves acting, acting on that faith, searching. Prayer can be a great time of searching in the spirit. I'm not talking about in the mental realm. I'm not trying, oh, what's wrong? Oh, God, who is it? (laughs) Who is the rascal that's holding up? Stopping the power of God in our church because you'll get an image. <laughs> Same knucklehead that's locked the door will give you an image. Had a lady, a visitor one time. She'd come to our church. I don't even remember her name or what she looks like now. She only came a few times, but I remember the conversation. She'd come a few times and she pointed out a person in our church and she said, you know that person, he's got a demon. Did she tell you that? Told me that, but should y'all should tell you that? It was just anyway. He's got a demon. I said he does. Long time member of our church, faithful member of our church, baptized in the Holy Ghost. So he's he, he's got the Holy Ghost and he's got a demon, all riding in the same vehicle. We don't know which one's driving, the Holy Ghost or the demon. I said 
He does. Oh, yeah. You can look at his eyes. You can always see it in his eyes. I thought, sister, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. He's got a demon. She, then she got really kind of, said, well, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, those kind of people, I just kind of hope they'll go away, you know. I don't want to argue with them, fight with them. I don't want a scene. I just want them to float on out of here, you know. So I just said, well, you know, okay, whatever. So, you know, I'm not talking about seeking who's, who's at fault. <laughs> I'm talking about seeking God, desiring something enough that you search it out, pray it out, seek it. Because like I said, it's not just a matter of claiming your healing. Yes, the power belongs to us because we've been given power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know the power of God's for the church, but it has to be exercised. There's a, there's a, there's a joint participation. It's not all God and it's not all us. So there's asking, but there's also searching and there's also knocking. But thank God there's also receiving and finding and opening. <laughs> Thank you. Opening. Glory to God. Let's, let's get serious. Let's get serious about the power of God. Not just sing about it and talk about it. That's good. But let's get serious about having it. Amen. Glory to God. For just a, a little bit of time, we're not going to belabor this too long tonight unless the Spirit just leads, you know, powerfully. I want us to just... Uh, stand up, because if you sit there in your seat, you'll get all quiet and mumbly. Unless there's a reason for, for quietness, fervency is not quiet. I've never had God answer much mumble. I'm never getting God to move much doing that. Unless, you know, if I'm in a hospital or a library or you know, someplace, but... Uh, you know, at work, you might, you know, pray under your breath, but we're not at work. We're in the house of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I want us to lift our voice and seek God tonight. Glory to God. Together, collectively. You don't be worrying about what other people are praying or anybody listening to you. They're not listening to you anyway. Praise the Lord. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. We humble ourselves Father, we know the power of God for this generation must be demonstrated. There must be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That, and that, that's the only way to, for people to have faith in the power, to believe in the power. We already believe in the power. We already believe in it. We already know about it. Father, we seek. We seek to find to lay hold of. Father, this is, this is not just a matter of our personal faith in something that belongs to us as a covenant right. This is something that involves the moving of your spirit and, and, and how you operate in our church. Father, we seek, we seek, we seek to find, to lay hold of. Father, we're willing to knock, we're willing to search, we're willing to, to be persistent, Father. Oh, glory to God. Give us, help us, show us. Show us, reveal yourself to us, Father. That the power of God 
Your power would be made manifest, would be demonstrated in the ways that our heart cries for and longs for, that we've read about, we know about. We're not satisfied with what you did in years gone by, Father. We want your power and demonstration today in our time, in our lives, in our house. Oh, Father, we search, we seek, we pray, we knock. We expect some things to be found. We expect answers to be found. We expect resources to be found. We expect knowledge and understanding to be found. We expect things to be opened that have been locked. Show us what's locked and why it's locked so that we can open it. We're willing to be violent if necessary. Willing to be aggressive if necessary. Bahaja. Shaban. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Now, Greek scholars tell us that those words ask, seek, and knock are in something in the Greek language called the continual present tense. Uh, and, it, and it indicates present tense but ongoing action. And so some translators say ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Well, we, can, we know that's not talking about the prayer of faith. Because you don't ask and keep on asking something from God that you know this is between you and him. That's your covenant right. He's already done it for you. You just believe you receive it. You don't go back and ask that again. You'll get into unbelief. But there are some things that, that, that don't fit under the, the category or won't work under the, under the prayer of faith. And that's what we're talking about. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. For he who asks and keeps, keeps on asking will receive. He who seeks and keeps on seeking will find. He who knocks and keeps on knocking, to him it will be opened. Amen. This is, this is the quest of this church to see the power of God. The spirit and the power in demonstration. It's the quest of this church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I'm led of the Lord to say it. I taught you the word tonight. I taught the word. I took a text and I taught what the Bible says. Be, be leery of those who teach from the word. There are people, ministers today, who teach and preach from the Word. That is, they have an idea and a subject that they're going to advance, and they pull scriptures to support this idea, and they pull scriptures to support that idea, they pull scriptures to support that idea, and another verse over there that you never even thought of had anything to do with this, but they make it. That's not teaching the Bible. That's teaching from the word, preaching from the word. And when you preach from the word, there's always a danger 
of, of misapplying the scriptures. But when you teach the word, Jesus, for instance, Jesus said, ask, keep on asking, and you'll receive. Seek, keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and it'll be of Sure, you, you apply it to things, but you see the difference? Do you understand the difference, what I'm talking about? Teaching the word as, result of, as, as, as opposed to teaching from the word. Does that make any sense? That's what I had. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When we look to the word of God, when we just look to the word of God, the Spirit will show you where to apply it. People who have needs or desires or ideas and they want to find a scripture that relates are on a much shakier foundation than people who just read the word. Just feed on the word. Just feed on the word. Just feed on the word. And let the word and the spirit give rise to where it needs to be applied in your life. There's a big difference. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Be people of the word and people of the spirit. Amen. A lot of people preach from the word, but you know they're not preaching the word because they don't have any spirit. <laughs> if the Holy Ghost is, never shows up. It's not even given in any opportunity. We have to be people of the word and of the spirit. Let the, give the spirit room to manifest himself. Glory to God. Shema shikesh bash mahen jel susu kiga istizandaya jeved vest bedvedisto bo obenasi koridada yes sorila maro kelita apra prave ariz direnasis triajaya stefada. And so the roadmap you're looking for is in the Word. Mm. And as you look into the Word, you'll see and you'll hear and you know because the Spirit will come and bear witness of that Word on yes. the inside. Yes. Yes. And He'll say, this is the step to take now yes. and this yes. is the step to take then and this is how you do it. Yes. And as you, as you feed on the Word and it becomes alive to you, it will be easy to step in line with the Holy Ghost and fulfill that Word in your life. And so don't look outside and say, how can I get it over here? Or how can I get it over there? And don't look to this and to look to that, but rather look into the word and feed yeah, on yeah, the word yeah. for the roadmap is laid out perfectly. Yea, even for the things of the power of God that I'm leading you into. So feed on the word about the power. Meditate on the word about the power. Mm -hmm. Yield yourself to what the word of God is saying about the power. Yeah. And you'll find yourself flowing in the power. <laughs> oh, not just believing for yourself, but even, yea, believing for others for the power of God. And you'll become a vessel of my power. No, it won't happen overnight. But as you feed on the word and as you meditate on the word and as it becomes more real to you than the things on the outside, oh, then it'll become 
come to pass in your life. And even the culture of this local body will begin to shift oh, and be moved into a place and a vessel and a, a conduit of the power of God. Yes. Yes, as a congregation and even as individuals, the power will become common. Not unrevered, but commonplace yes. here in this place. Yes. And the roadmap is in the Word and following yes. the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Grotos cotele vefrevetia patrabatata. Sevre vievre delia. Coramo brandi and medicatia fretesis. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for the presence of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit's presence. Glory to God. Your glory. Your glory, Father. Your presence. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Gladdens the heart. Hallelujah. Satisfies a deep yearning on the inside to know you in power. Glory to God. Not just in theory, but in power. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.